0: What's going on, rock stars? You are listening to episode 48 of Fearless Rebel Radio. In this episode, I'm interviewing a phenomenal woman named Nick Danu. She is a yoga instructor who believes in yoga for the rest of us. She teaches yoga for misfits and rebels like us. So I'm pumped to have her here. Uh, We talk all about yoga and body image and meditation for people like me who can't stand this stuff. And she's full of so many juicy, amazing feminist insights. I can't wait for you to meet her. Before we get started, I just want to send a huge thank you to everyone who downloaded my book Body Image Remix I am officially a best selling author We were number one in the self-help category and number two in all of nonfiction for a while with thousands of people downloading the book. I am over the moon excited about um, having it out in the world. And so I'm so grateful for anyone who downloaded it. If you're listening and you downloaded it, thank you. Um, If you haven't, you can go to Amazon and get it at uh, just search Body Image Remix. It's it's only $4.99. which is cheaper than... Oh God, I was gonna say something really rude there, but I'll just go with Starbucks, and you can use your imagination for other things that I was maybe gonna insert in there. Thank you to everyone who left me a review. Um, if you did enjoy the book and you haven't done that, I would be so grateful if you went to Amazon and just left me a review. That helps other people uh, find it, and it helps them to be encouraged to buy it. So if you really did enjoy it, I'm not asking you this to receive praise. I actually don't really read them because I try to detach myself from praise and criticism but um i know it helps others find find my work um so if you believe in what uh, i'm doing and what i'm saying i would be so grateful if you went to amazon and left a review for the book and thank thank you again so much you guys rock it was just such an amazing experience and it's still going i mean it's not over but the whole like big launch weekend of it was was pretty exciting for me so thank you thank you thank you For more of me, you can go to thebodyimagecoach.com or summerinnon.com, and there you will find access to my 10-day body confidence makeover for free. So you can just sign up there and you'll receive access to that. So you can start rocking your body today. Um, Let's get started with the show. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. I'm pumped about today's guest. Today, I am speaking to Nick Danu. Nick Danu is the creator of Real Yoga for the Rest of Us. She teaches yoga and meditation in person and virtually on the internet to creative guys and gals who don't feel at home in mainstream yoga circles, those who are imperfect, maybe not super fit, or a human pretzel, the rebels, mitzfits, the underdogs, the introverts, geeks, and bookworms. She is a self-professed yoga geek, Buddhist, activist, tattoo lover, and green tea addict. You can find more about Nick and sign up for her free yoga videos on her website at nickdanu.com, and I'll just spell it for everybody, N Y K D A N U. And of course, this will be linked in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at summerinonin.com forward slash frr-48.
1: Welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. I uh, have been listening to your podcast, uh, pretty much devouring it actually probably for about six to eight months now, so...
0: Oh, cool. Right on. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And I'm so happy that you connected with me because um, first of all, you're Canadian as well. Yay. Yay! Always nice to have another Canadian gal to interview and spread to the rest of the world. Um, And secondly, I just love, I love what you're about and uh, I'm excited to get into that with you. So why don't we do that, and before we dig into all the yoga stuff that we're going to be talking about, I'd love for you to tell everyone about your story and how you got to where you are today.
1: Okay, I'll try to give you the the um informed but reader's digest version mm-hmm. um, as a as a child, basically from birth until I was about nineteen, um, I was actually a model um, wow. and yeah, <laughs> yeah. First, first, uh, first was a carpet ad as a baby, and uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a ton of work. My mom certainly was not one of those you know, crazy moms that you know, drove me around to auditions all the time, so it was kind of sporadic, but um, um, I did that basically until I was about 18, and as, a, as, as this relates to body image, which is something I'm pretty passionate about, is yoga and body image and accessibility and diversity. Um, I was very, very, very skinny, um, as a kid, uh, just naturally all of my family on both sides tend to be that way. So, um, so thin, in fact, that when I was in about grade six, um, one of my teachers called social services because she thought I must be anorexic. Uh, clearly wow. she didn't see the buffet when I hit it because, uh, I pretty much <laughs> devoured food, but I just, that's just how I was. Yeah. Um, and about 18, I, uh, I quit modeling because, um, I didn't like the fact that they wouldn't let me get a tattoo or pierce my nose. And, um, so I didn't like the, uh, I didn't like the control that they tried to have over me. And I also got really sick of, um, just hearing how, you know, imperfect I was all the time, you know, mm. so if you go on a, A casting call and oh you know she's a little wide in the pelvis she's not very tall blah 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 you know so I got pretty sick of hearing that and sick of um being evaluated basically on my uh, looks alone and uh just decided that this was not for me um at the time I was a, a hairdresser for many years and then I decided to start um bodybuilding at first it started off with just um you know, going, going and trying to put on a little bit of muscle mass, um, people were constantly, when I was quite thin, coming up to me and saying, oh my gosh, you're so skinny. And it became really apparent to me that how thin I was naturally made other people pretty uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I decided that maybe if I couldn't put on any fat, I could at least pack on some muscle and that might make people more comfortable with my size. Um, and so I body, I did bodybuilding for, I started off just slowly kind of working out a few days a week. And then in a true recovering a type personality ended up doing competitive bodybuilding, um, for a couple of years. And, um, from there, um, suddenly I decided that, uh, bodybuilding also wasn't for me again. I was just, um, not really liking, uh, again, the, the kind of focus on, on the exterior. I mean, I think there's a difference between working out to be healthy and (laughs) the extremes that I was taking it to, which Mm -hmm. is definitely not healthy, um, not healthy mentally, emotionally, um, eating wise. It's definitely not something that you can do with any kind of longevity. And so I stopped and, um, I started just doing more things like running and, and cycling and, um, things like that. And I'd also gained a little bit of weight by then. So I was kind of more of a, uh, reasonable size, I suppose. Um, I was quite fit still, but was soft and, you know, was kind of in between an eight, eight ten, I guess, um, at that time and was pretty happy actually with having, um, you know, muscles, but a little bit of cush over top and, um, was, went along my life like that for quite a few years. In about 2000, or no, sorry, I guess it was more like 1998, I took my first yoga class, and uh, was still about the same size and same fitness level, and um, totally fell in love, and that's ended up being a lifelong so far love, but we'll can talk more about that later. Um, and then at... Yes, I say what is 30, between 30 and 31, I mysteriously put on 45 pounds in three months and had absolutely no idea why. Wow. Yeah. Um, went to my doctor and was not getting good answers. And, um, there was all kinds of other symptoms, of course, other than just the weight gain, which there usually is. I was exhausted. I had brain fog. It was, you know, so of course they tested all the common things like thyroid and, you know, things like that. And at the time I was on the birth control shot. And I asked my doctor immediately if that was responsible for the weight gain. And she said, no, it wasn't. And then basically six months later when she couldn't find anything said, Oh, well maybe it could be the shot. So then I went off the shot and, um, basically was able to lose a little bit of weight here and there, but never could ever get back to the kind of, you know, soft and, and strong that I I was happy with, you know, Um, before. And at a point just a couple of years ago, actually just kind of um, gave up trying to lose weight. I started trying to focus more on, you know, why, why am I feeling unhealthy as opposed to like, why did I gain this weight? Which was kind of my first focus initially was like, what's going on with the weight? Um, So fast forward a bit to um, teacher training, I decided to take teacher training and now I'm, you know, quite a bit heavier than I was. So this was right around that time that I had just freshly gained this weight. Um, And so I moved even within my yoga practice from a body that was, um, you know, fairly strong and a reasonable size, average size, I guess you could say, if there's such a thing as average, um, to having this extra weight on me that I literally had no idea what to do with in my um, yoga practice. And so having to learn how to use props and adapt poses for things like the fact that I have a belly on the front of me that, you know, when people call out directions, it's like that is not going to happen in my body. Or, you know, where do I put this extra piece of my butt that that teacher doesn't have in this pose, you know? So So things like that. And I did go through my teacher training. I've been teaching now for just over 10 years and um, where I finally come to with With body image was, um, first of all, of course, I've been incredibly disappointed, um, both as a yogi and also as an, as an activist with the current way that the yoga industry, um, represents bodies in body image. Um, and the fact that uh, 90%, I would say from my experience of yoga and yoga in studios is not accessible to everyone, even though they say we make this accessible to everybody. It's it's really not. Um, and it's been kind of a bit of a passion of mine to, to try to really make yoga accessible, um, for all different shapes and sizes and injuries and physical issues and inflexibility and things like that. And so as a, as a teacher, everything that I learned with my own body Um, and how to adapt poses and also suffered from some back pain and some other things like that from, you know, my previous life as a hairdresser. And so I've really kind of had to, um, adapt the practice for my own body, um, which at first I used to resent, but now I'm actually very grateful for because it's made, I think it's made me a better teacher because I have that firsthand experience of what people may be going through and, um, have become a bit of a yoga props ninja and a modification expert. Um, which has made it really a lot easier for me to teach, you know, all different people that can come into the room. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I finally found out, um, only maybe about a year ago, uh, what was actually going on with me physically. Uh, finally went to a Chinese medicine doctor and found out what was going on, started doing some herbs and, um, some of the weight has actually started coming off and I'm actually feeling much better having more energy and things like that. So I'm, st- I'm starting to kind of see, um, not really my, my old self, but I'm starting to kind of feel more at home and, uh, more energetic and things like that, but it's still, still definitely a bit of a process. So that's kind of my, um, history as far as body image goes. I went from basically being, you know, mistaken for anorexic as a child to, um, maybe just hitting plus size, um, while still working out and eating really healthy and doing all of the things that you in quote quotations should do, um, and being unable to lose weight to now, finally, some of the, the weights coming off, starting to feel better, but still definitely not, uh, not going to grace the cover of yoga journal anytime soon. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And just how do you feel about yourself? Like, has that,
1: yeah, has that kind of evolved and changed for you? Yeah, it was pretty big. I think the day that I just And I can't remember what specifically sparked it, but where I just was like, maybe this is just the size I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe this is just it. And maybe I'm really focused on the wrong thing. Maybe I should be focusing on being healthy, not, and being happy, not being, you know, the size I was blank years ago when, you know, because even truth be told, even when I was at what now I would have considered maybe a good, a good weight for me. I wasn't happy with my physique then either, you know? So there's my whole life. And I think probably most women can relate to this no matter what size I was, whether I was a size zero or, uh, you know, one X, I was never happy. Mm-hmm. You know, There was always something more to criticize, always something else that could be improved. And so I finally just made, um, a conscious decision that I wasn't going to give a shit about that anymore. Literally. Like I was just like, I'd, I'm not going to focus on my weight anymore. I'm going to focus on eating well and moving my body and feeling good and feeling healthy. And whatever happens from there, I'm just surrendering it to, uh, you know, whatever's going to happen. So since then it's taken a ton of the pressure off and, um, I feel like my practice and my physical activity and even how I eat can be, can be like, am I nourishing myself? Um, Mm -hmm. am I feeling good? Am I taking care of myself and letting that be the focus instead of, you know, I was never really a calorie counter, but, you know, instead of kind of focusing on breaking the food down into minute, you know, dissectable things like I did when I was bodybuilding, of course I had to do that, but, um, but just, you know, trying to eat food that nourishes me and, and fill myself to the point where I'm comfortable and have a treat when I, you know, feel like I want to have one without being obsessive about it. And, um, yeah, just really trying to look at how I move my body and how I eat as, as, trying to nourish myself and trying to be healthy and happy. So it's made a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Just to I surrender that.
1: that and just to like, let that go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have it all backwards,
0: right? Like we, totally. we, um, you know, my friend Kyla Prince made this like this great video speaking about this. So I'm going to use her, her frame of reference, um, and just credit her for that. But you know, she talks about how like weight loss is just It's a side effect and Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, like side effects happen when you take some drugs and some, and for some people they don't happen. And so like we focus so much on like the side effect and that takes away from like what people really want, which is to be happy and healthy. And it's like, wow, what if we just focused on being, you know, happy and unhealthy and nourishing ourselves and just letting our body be what it's going to be. And if weight loss is a side effect, fine. If it's not, fine. Like... (laughs) it's all backwards the way we normally approach
1: it. And I think there was, um, there was a pivotal moment. I watched a, um, a documentary, um, it might've been just about two years ago. Um, and I thought because I was raised by a feminist and, you know, I was, I am a feminist and I thought, you know, I was pretty well informed about this whole feminist thing being (laughs) female. Uh, clearly I had a lot to learn. Um, Tell me about that. I watched, um, killing us softly. Um, and there's kind of different versions of that. I think the most recent one is number four. And if, if your listeners haven't watched it, I, especially as a female or even a male, my watched it with my, my guy. Um, it was remarkable to me when I watched that. I, the biggest aha that I took away is how 99% of the voices in my head were not mine. Mm -hmm. So when I would say things like, Oh, my calves are too big. I would think, says who? Mm -hmm. Where is that? Where did that information come from? Like, cause that's not mine. I wasn't born as a baby thinking my calves are too big, you know? So like, where did that get implanted in my head? Um, and that was actually, I think probably one of the best hands-on tools for me, um, to start trying to break this, this body image ridiculousness down and to not criticize myself as much and to just not fall into that trap was to start asking myself, according to who? So every time I would have something negative that would pop in about my appearance, I would stop and go, says who? Mm -hmm. Or according to who? You know, because so much of it's cultural too. You know, I mean, being raised in different parts of the world and in different eras, I mean, there's been different body types that have been, you know, these so-called ideal, in air quotes again, um, And really just trying trying to break it down, you know, to break that kind of repetitive pattern that I think almost all women have where we criticize ourselves and just ask myself, you know, I think as soon as you start questioning things, that's where change starts. So absolutely, that was a pretty big part of my practice and still is, you know, even now when I, you know, pluck my eyebrows, I think, hmm, according to who is this preferable? Doesn't mean I've stopped plucking them. Maybe I will at some point in my life. But, you know, it's like I'm doing it now with a, a conscious awareness of like, the fact that like this is something that I've been told is part of being female, not actually true, you know? Oh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I know, I know uh, in the
0: book when women stop hating their bodies by, um, and I'm told I may be screwing up their last names here, but like Jane Hirschman and Carol Munter, I think Um, it's a great book. Uh, That's exactly how they say to respond to negative, negative body thoughts. They're like, Says who? Because they talk about how fat is just a, a metaphor for something else, you know, mm-hmm. like fat is just a metaphor for something else, or like any of those kind of words that we use to to disparage our our looks and our, you know, all those beliefs. They're um they're just metaphors for like not feeling good enough. But yeah, challenging it and saying like says who? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> like says who?
1: <laughs> and now I now I started doing it with my girlfriends, which might be annoying the heck out of them, but uh, <laughs> you know when they were like, oh well, you know, I can't wear. Uh, for example, a ballet flat um with a circle skirt that's just a, one example because you know of my build and I'm like says who yeah says like, who Marie where, Claire? where in <laughs> in any holy scripture ever in the world does it say that like you must wear a high heel if your legs are built like blank with a skirt like what where does that even come from you know yeah, um, yeah. and and it's i mean it you know, I think it's good to question, right? I mean, so far, no one's told me I'm annoying them too much, but (laughs) I've started questioning myself so much. Um, and then also just questioning, what am I consciously digesting that's affirming these unhealthy messages? Mm. Um, and in my own life, a lot of what I read because I'm a yoga teacher now is, um, you know, is yoga stuff. So yoga magazines, yoga books, meditation books, things like that. And, um, a few years ago, I just actually decided that I'm no longer going to buy yoga magazines that do not represent diversity in their magazines. Um, I was just like, I don't, I don't need to consume this. Like I have a choice. I'm buying this magazine and, um, you know, it's not like any of them are usually overly, you know, focused on weight loss or anything like that, but just the fact of who they choose to have in their, um, in their articles and on their cover already reflects such a lack of diversity and some are better than others. So I'm going to, I am an activist, so I'm going to call out, uh, the ones that I think are definitely not, not doing well in this part. And the big one in the main yoga magazine out there is yoga journal. And they just occasionally I mean I think they put one yoga teacher who was not a size four but is still compared to the average person small on the cover once um but I'm not they don't have much body diversity they don't have much ethnic diversity they don't even have lifestyle diversity or gender diversity or even um you know a a large percentage of um of males even in their in that magazine and so If you're new to yoga and you pick up a magazine like that because you're getting really into yoga and you start reading that, if you were to think that that's a representation of yoga or what yoga could be, it would be pretty easy if you're not any of those beautiful, thin, white, blonde women (laughs) on the covers Mm -hmm. to think this isn't for me. You have to be thin, you have to be strong, you have to be flexible to practice yoga and that's total bullshit.
0: Or yoga. the only reason why you go into yoga is
1: so you can be exactly thin and <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm I'm doing this because I want to look like blank cover model. You know? Yeah. Which um, which there's that's not what yoga is about at all. Really. If you no. if you want to really and I, and this is
0: totally not my area of expertise, which is why you're here. But like really, like what is yoga about? Like what is You know, like, where did it, surely it was not to help women lose
1: weight. (laughs) No. And physical, I mean, the physical practice, which is called the the asana or the poses, um, was originally in yoga actually only designed to create a body that was strong and flexible enough to sit for hours at a time in meditation. That's like the only point in India. Um, And of course, you bring it to North America and it's all about six pack this, course drink that, detox that, sweat this, you know. Um, and they forgot all about the fact that like this, this was a spiritual practice that people practice the poses so that they could sit in meditation without being in pain. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, we've, we've really skewed its original intention. And I'm not saying that most people come to yoga in the West because they want enlightenment. It's probably not the case. Probably they come in because they do have back pain or, you know, that maybe, maybe they do come in to lose weight. Um, hopefully they, they see something outside of that at some point and, and realize, um, that there is more to it. But, um, yeah, the lack of diversity in, in yoga media is something that I just at a few years ago, I just made a conscious decision not to participate in anymore. I just thought, you know what, I can read this magazine and give them my money by having my subscription every year and complain about the fact that there's not a lot of diversity or I could just stop supporting it and encourage other people to do the same. And so I stopped buying um, Yoga Journal. There are yoga magazines out there that I think are doing a far better job with diversity. Um, yoga International, which is more online now than a print magazine, actually has quite a bit of diversity in, um, in their articles and in the teachers that write for them and the classes that they do. But, um, but it is hard to find if you're, you know, if you're new, um, out there and you're kind of looking for yoga resources and even same thing with most of the books, they're all pretty much photographed with kind of, you know, thin, flexible women and maybe some thin, strong guys occasionally, but, um, it's really unfortunate, I think, um, because if you look at documentaries of in India of people doing yoga, it's not that way at all.
0: Yeah, I bet. It's They're not totally at all. It's rolling like, over, just looking at what's happening over here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you'll like oh see, my God, what do these people do to our culture? <laughs> exactly. You know,
1: you'll see lots of, you know, very curvaceous women doing yoga and their saris and, you know, men that have been doing yoga for like 20 years with their big Buddha bellies. And you know what I mean? It's just like, it's not at all about detoxing and hot yoga and, you know, getting a six pack and all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. so yes, I'm sure there's a lot of groaning over there in India for for what we've done to yoga, but the truth about, about yoga and, and, and this is only if you get the right teachers and have the right resources is that yoga can truly be for everyone. There's a style and a lineage and a modification and a prop for pretty much every person on the planet right now. But it can take you time to find what I call your yoga home or your yoga teacher or teachers, you know, that truly can help you, um, modify the practice for your body and represent yoga in a way that's not so sort of, you know, um, elitist, so to speak. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's like, it's so important. I mean, I feel like that's like any, anything in fitness or health Mm -hmm. is that there's just a lot of, shitty teachers practitioners like it's just there's a lot uh, you know of of poor teachers out there and so you do have to keep looking for ones that are going to be accepting inclusive like who recognize that um that certain things are 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 you're going to be able to do but just with certain like modifications or with a different approach you know Mm -hmm. so it's just um you you do have to kind of keep looking for
1: that. And sometimes not not always there are there are several studios um in the city I'm in now, for example, that are quite um quite diverse. they have a lot of diversity um but oftentimes um when people are new and they're starting out and they go to a studio um they're not gonna see that diversity, and they're not gonna necessarily experience teachers who can help them um unless they are that stereotypical yogini body. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the bigger kind of more spa-like studios um, cater to a really specific market, and their teachers all look like that, and some of them don't even have props in the studio, so there is no way to modify for people. Um, And so sometimes, depending on what city you're in, um, you may have to look outside of yoga studios to find a teacher that can help you with this. You might have to look at church basements and community centers and um, places like that for teachers that are kind of bravely forging their own path and running their own classes because they didn't find a space in a studio that was a good fit for them. Um, Certainly where I used to live, um, I used to live in Calgary and now I've moved to Victoria and in Calgary, um, other than a couple of studios, most of the studios were unfortunately, what I like to call the, uh, the Lululemon Barbie hangouts. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, they were all about, uh, you know, big, big business yoga, you know, like big rooms to the point where no teacher could give anyone personalized attention when there's that many bodies crammed in a room. And, um, there wasn't a lot of diversity and, um, it's unfortunate, but, in some areas that is kind of the way, the way it is. And certainly not all the studios were like that. Um, if you really, uh, if you want to look at lineages of yoga, if someone's interested in trying yoga and they definitely know they're not flexible and they're not a human pretzel. And if you want to look at a style, as opposed to a teacher, Iyengar yoga is, is fairly, um, available to most people. Um, there's different styles of classes there. There's tons of props. Um, the teachers are typically really well-trained. So Um, you know, if somebody knows that they're just going to need extra guidance and they kind of want to start at ground level and have the props and the support, that's a style to look for if you can in your area. But um, how do you spell that? I-Y-E. Good question. I knew right until you asked me. I-Y-E. I'll Google it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy because my first teacher training was Iyengar training. And it's like, as soon as you asked, like, Left my
0: head. I just wasn't sure I was going to link to it in the show notes so I can Google I it too. now that I-, I have the first three letters.
1: E-N-G-A-R. Yeah. E-N-G-A-R. Okay. Yeah. Iyengar <laughs> Yoga. He was, Iyengar was a, um, one of the yogis who's fairly known for, um, for bringing, um, yoga to the West, mostly through his teachers. He's actually only been to North America a few times, but, um, and, uh, there's a lot, they're kind of known for being like alignment focused, which can be good and bad. Cause again, not all people's bodies will do the same thing. Again, we also have different bone structure too. go figure. We're not all clones of each other. Um, <laughs> so, but they do have a lot of props and their, their teachers are fairly well-trained. So if you're looking for a style of yoga where, you know, they can probably modify something for you, that's a great style. But again, there's so many teachers out there like myself that, um, teach a blend of different styles. So I wouldn't get too attached to a lineage or a style, but that's just one that, you know, I can think of that is, is pretty accessible for, for almost anybody. And my, my biggest thing would be just if people are trying yoga and they just, you know, first of all, if you think yoga is not for you, you're wrong. (laughs) Yoga, (laughs) yoga can be for everyone with the disclaimer that, but you might have to search a little while to find a teacher or a studio that fits for you. So, my biggest thing would be please don't just go to like one, you know, hot yoga class, hate it, and go, that's it, yoga's not for me, you know, because that's just one representation of what yoga's become in the West. And there's like so many other options out there in the sort of buffet of yoga. So, if you could just kind of keep trying a different teacher and a different class until you find a fit. It's probably the best way to make make it so that yoga is accessible for for everybody, yeah, i
0: uh, like I'm one of those people that I'm like, I can't do it. Like it's just boring. It's repetitive. like i I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i i found, i i I kind of made it my decision that I was like, I need to try and find something that I like because, um. I I had to stop doing like intense exercise for a while and so mm-hmm. I wanted to do something and I needed something that was like going to help with um with stress relief and with like chronic injuries that I was going through and so um yeah it took me a little while to find the right class and the right teacher and I realized that that made such a huge difference and I fell in love with it because of the instructor that I had and because of the class that, um, I found. Uh, and so you really do have to, have to keep, have to keep looking.
1: Yeah. And a good way to do that too, is if you have friends, family, acquaintances, neighbors that, you know, maybe are similar to you, you know, they're not maybe the human pretzel Barbie type. Um, and they actually mention that they go to yoga, ask them where they go you know, because that's probably a better start than just trying to like aimlessly pick. But a lot of yoga places um, will offer, you know, like uh, your first class free or your first class for five bucks or your first week for 20. Like they make it, they can make it affordable so that you can just try um, a class. And if the studio vibe isn't for you or the teacher vibe isn't for you, Sometimes the studio, you know, you might like the studio, but you didn't like the teacher. Well, then you can keep trying other teachers until you find somebody. But sometimes it's just like you just know right away. It's a no go. I actually went to a yoga class. I will not mention the name of the studio just out of politeness. But um, last night, because I'm I've recently moved to a new city. And so I've been checking out all the studios to kind of figure out like where I might want to work and where I definitely don't want to work. And last night I went to a place that it was it was pretty clear within about the first five minutes. I was like, oh, hell no there's no way. <laughs> and, I was like, and then I was thinking like, if this was my first yoga experience, like, you know, and some people love it. Some people it's like exactly what they want, you know? But mm-hmm. for me, it was just like, no, yeah. this is a, this is a no in every way, shape and form. And I'm, I'm fine with it because I'm a teacher. So I know that there's so much other, other stuff out there. But if that was my first experience, I might just think, oh, this yoga business isn't for me. So. Or you might have uh, also think like, something's wrong with me you know like totally. i think it's also
0: important to be like it's not me it's the studio or it's yeah. not me it's the
1: teacher like this is not my fit yeah you know <laughs> it's just like um you know like i often say to my students like there's no one size fits all yoga just like there's no one size fits all pantyhose mm-hmm. and anyone who's ever tried to wear pantyhose knows that there is no one size fits all it's like that's ridiculous and impossible so um look for the size that fits you you know, look for the studio and the teacher that fits you, you know, if there's elements you don't like about your first class, then try something different until you find somebody that, you know, a teacher that resonates with you and a studio that feels welcoming to you and you feel comfortable in.
0: And how did,
1: uh, you know, how did
0: all obviously like with yoga, so much of that's about, you know, slowing down your mind and being, bringing about a sense of, of mindfulness, how do you feel like that helped you with your, you know, with your body image and really addressing and and responding to the the negative thoughts that were in your head?
1: Oh yeah, uh, oh in so so many ways. Um, I, I I often say I'm a recovering A type personality, mm-hmm. meaning I went from Type A capitals to Type A lowercase. Now I'm slowly working on Type B. Uh, I hope to get there someday. Um, so yoga and meditation, um, for sure helped me just chill out because I was, I mean, you know, ex bodybuilder, a type, like I was so high strung. Um, I was very lucky though, in that my very first yoga class, um, I actually, I had zero interest in attending yoga. I had no interest in going to yoga, but I, I was still a hairdresser and a group of my friends, um, thought it would be great to go to this class Monday morning on our day off. And I was like, morning on my day off? What are you crazy? Like, why would I want to go do anything in the morning on my day off? Um, But one of the girls was like, well, I'll, I'll pick you up and we'll go together. I was like, okay, fine. So I like really begrudgingly signed up for this yoga class. And from the very first moment fell in love. It was the first time in my life that my mind focused on one thing. For that hour and a half, my mind was present. That, I don't think, had ever happened since maybe, I don't know, childhood or birth. Um, And physically, I felt amazing. Um, Mentally, I felt so calm and so centered. And almost like when I left, like my shoes were made of clouds. Mm -hmm. And I just remember saying immediately after that class, I will do yoga forever. Um, I was lucky because I found a teacher who was probably a senior by then, who did a gentle form. She was great with props. She was really good with, um, us and, you know, giving more to people that needed more and helping people that were too tight in that pose. And she just had this great kind of motherly nurturing yet yeah, could still make us work hard, um, energy to it. So for me, I was lucky that my first class was a good fit. Um, and then I just kind of kept going to that studio and, you know, and to that teacher and then found a different teacher that I liked. So I was really lucky in the beginning. Um, and actually when I started doing practicing yoga there, for example, there was nothing, there was no hot yoga. Mm-hmm. There was no Bikram yoga in, you know, North America. So, um, it, that I didn't have any of those kinds of like big, huge, um, studio experiences that were totally, more A-type, more, you know, it's about sweat, it's about detox, it's about, you know, so I didn't really have to experience that even until I'd already been doing yoga for a number of years. So um, just taking that time to be present and to just focus on one thing at a time, and of course yoga has such a great effect on calming the nervous system, Um, that really helped me. Um, And then of course learning to question, because when you take quiet time, questions come up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, you know, questioning everything really. Um, Yeah. It definitely led me on a, on a whole new path. It wasn't immediate. It wasn't like, you know, I took one yoga class and was like, forget this. I'm no longer a hairdresser. I'm going to do yoga. I mean, I was a smoking martini drinking latte obsessed, you know, hairstylist for, for 12 years. Not Mm -hmm. all of that time did I do yoga, but it did kind of start to chip its way in so that it was like, Hmm, maybe I actually don't really want to go out as late because I'd rather go to that yoga class tomorrow morning. And so it just kind of, it was gradual for me. It it sort of seeped in. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. You certainly don't have to quit drinking martinis or even smoking cigarettes for that matter to do yoga, but you might. (laughs) It might just happen, <laughs> yeah. You might want to,
0: or yeah, you just find a... it might just happen, yeah. <laughs> you might just find that balance that you're looking for, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you mentioned meditation, and uh, I know you weren't always into that as well. And I have to quote one of the articles that, um, that I read that you wrote. Because it just pretty much sums up my thoughts on meditation. So I'm going to like ask you for your help here. But you wrote, as a rebel and activist, I I had never considered meditation. That was hippie shit. Something people did in ashrams (laughs) dressed in white. I was a questioner, an activist, ass kicker, and a heavy metal lover. Meditation, who the hell had time for that? So, I mean, that is like, first of all, I just love your writing because it's, <laughs> Thank you. it's like things that go on in my head yeah. <laughs> um, and you took the words out of my mouth there. That's kind of how, that's how I feel. Um, yeah. How did you learn to lo- love it? Like, please help, help somebody like help the ass kicking heavy metal lover well, <laughs> that I am. <laughs> I,
1: meditation kind of, um, kind of snuck in the back door too for me. Things usually do because I tend to resist them at first. Yeah. Um, So I had decided that after reading books on Buddhism since I was like 21, um, and I was probably about 32 at this point. So just over 10 years after being what I call a closet Buddhist, meaning reading the books and, you know, understanding some of it, being confused by it, wishing I had a teacher, not actually meditating because who the fuck had time for that. (laughs) Um, but you know, but just reading it and being inspired by it and just always coming back to it and going, you know, there's some, there's some good shit here that like makes sense to me. And you know, the Buddha himself was pretty much a rebel. So, you know, I resonated on that level with it. Um, I started seeking out, um, cause two, three of the things that the the Buddha talks about is, um, the Buddha, so the teachings or, or the Dharma, um, and then the Sangha as well. And so, um, finding a teacher became important to me because I had all these questions, because I'm naturally a questioner. And you know, when you can only read a book so long before you're like, I need someone who can answer this question, or at least point me in the direction. So I started looking for um a group that I could study with, and in Buddhist circles, basically part of studying is sitting in meditation. So I kind of came into it reluctantly mm-hmm. um, because I wanted to learn more about Buddhism, and so I kind of had to sit in meditation and unfortunately, um, I did, I searched for groups and sat in meditations for probably about a year before somebody told me that it's fucking normal to think while you meditate. Like (laughs) why didn't somebody tell me that in the beginning? So I had this idea that I was going to sit cross-legged I was going to put some ancient mudra with my fingers, you know, and I was going to close my eyes and bam, enlightenment. And no, it does not work that way. Mm -hmm. You're going to sit and you're going to be physically uncomfortable, first of all, because you're not used to sitting on the floor cross-legged. So your back might hurt, your hips might hurt. You might be like, oh my gosh, this is torture. Um, (sighs) And then you're going to have to deal with your mind, which is going to totally freak out and rebel because it doesn't know how to do this. Um, And if you think that, you're supposed to be able to sit physically comfortably and mentally comfortably, and that you're going to reach some instant blissed- out state when you've never meditated before. I mean, no wonder people think it's not for them. But guess what? Everybody's uncomfortable, and everybody thinks in meditation. That's <laughs> like human. <laughs> oh
0: you're so reading if my you mind. Don't, that's so if you awesome. don't, I would
1: be worried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the couple times I've attempted it, that's exactly it. I'm just yeah. like, Yeah,
1: And so basically, um, it took me about three years before I found a teacher that actually said that, like in the intro to meditation was like, yeah, like you're going to try to keep your mind focused and you'll maybe last two or three breaths and then bammo, you know, you're off daydreaming or you're back in the past or you're off in the future or you're falling asleep or you're figuring out like, why the hell is my back hurt? And, you know, um, Yeah, and then once I knew that that was normal, it was like, oh, okay, I'm not, oddly enough, nearly as unique as I think I am. Everybody's having some version of this experience. And so then it was just easier for me to go, okay, well, if I let go of having to be perfect at this and Mm -hmm. I just let it be what it is, then, you know, let's try it out. And, you know, some days I sit in my meditation practice and it's, um, You know, I do hit that meditative state, but more often than not, nope, not so much. More often than not, it's um, constantly seeing when my mind gets distracted and bringing myself back. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is the practice. But regardless of the fact that if you sit and try to hit the meditative state and just kind of be gentle with yourself and try to bring yourself back, or whether you actually get there, you're always going to be better off for having done it. If you know how, if you have some guidance and you know what to expect. Um, one of the things that I, I now teach meditation and it became important to me to start teaching it because like I said, I went to like all these different groups before I actually got any information that was helpful. And I just kept thinking like, why doesn't somebody make this easier for people? Like <laughs> why not meditation 101 where it's like, you know what, you actually don't have to sit for 30 minutes with your legs crossed. And if you're uncomfortable sitting, here's how we can physically adapt your sitting posture and what if I just gave you a simple technique, like counting your breath, you know? Um, and so basically everything that I wished would have been in my beginner meditations, I added in when I started teaching it. But um, it oh, took awesome. me probably a couple of years before I even knew that that was normal to have my monkey mind and to, you know, be physically uncomfortable and, and to have the resistance to not want to do it every day too. Yeah. You, I think you just saved me like years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You gave the most simple, that that just like, yeah, it just reaffirms it. I'm like, okay. And and also that you just said you have to let go of it trying, um, of it having to be perfect as uh-huh. well, which is like, oh, well, that mean that creeps into every area of my life all the time. But it's like, if I can't do it perfect, then I'm not doing it
1: at all. Oh, like, perfectionism <laughs> is total bullshit.
0: You know? Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And so I'm assuming you... You have that, like that's, you you
1: teach that too. Do you do that online or do you have like online programs with that? I'm starting to, I'm slowly working on an online version of it. Oh, Um, cool. It's taking me some time because originally I wanted to tape my live group and then Mm -hmm. break those down. And then I had all kinds of technical difficulties. And Mm -hmm. um, so I am trying to create it um, slowly, but surely doing audio. Um, I also do them uh, privately and then classes um, in person. But basically, I mean, I can give like a very small way to get started for people. Getting physically comfortable is a little hard to talk about in audio because I can't see who's sitting in front of me. But um, so finding a way to sit comfortably is a little bit more challenging. But basically, if you can, you know, do three or four deep breaths, maybe set a timer for like 10 minutes um, and then just count your inhale and exhale. So inhale, exhale, one, inhale, exhale, two, inhale, exhale, three, when you get distracted, Don't criticize yourself. Don't freak out. Just go, oh, there I go. I'm off in Mexico with my mind. And just come back and begin counting again. Mm -hmm. It's really like super, super simple. Doesn't mean it's easy. Certainly not easy. But that's a great practice to start with. And when 10 minutes becomes tolerable for you physically, add two minutes. When 12 minutes becomes like, okay, I'm comfortable. I can sit physically comfortably. Then add a little more. And before you know it, you'll be 20, 30 minutes a day. That's awesome. And I think, um, you know, anything that can strengthen our
0: ability to hold our awareness in a balanced way is Mm -hmm. going to be one of your greatest weapons towards overcoming um, body image issues and and offering yourself more compassion. Because I think that, you know, what happens so often is that we exaggerate, like our, our thoughts become exaggerated, and we don't have the capacity to slow down and hold them in like just a a sensible way, um, we jump into problem solving mode instead of just being like, all right, like this is what I'm thinking about right now. Like, let's see if it'll just pass or let's just like hold Mm -hmm. this thought instead of jumping into problem solving mode. And so, um, you know, whether it's meditation or yoga or whatever you can sort of do to just practice a sense of, of mindfulness. Um, I just, I think it's just so important.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, it really gives you a tool that for me, my meditation practice has given me so many gifts, but which I, that could be a whole podcast in itself, but One of the big ones for me was, again, being able to get in touch with that, what the yoga and meditation circles, they call the witnessing consciousness. Mm -hmm. When you start to meditate and you start to see yourself running off and thinking, but you can bring yourself back, you start to realize that there's this aspect of yourself that can sit just outside of your direct experience and watch it. Mm -hmm. And that version of you is far more objective, far more wise, far more kind of big picture And when you can get in touch with that more on a regular basis, then it starts to seep into your life. And Mm -hmm. so when stressful situations pop up, instead of like reacting, you can take a step back and respond instead of react because you're practicing hanging out with that kind of wiser, you know, version of yourself a little bit every day. And so then that can cause you to start to, to question things again and to, you know, when you start to get hard on yourself to go, well, wait a minute, you know, what, what would that witnessing part of myself say about this? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so good. So that's been the hu- huge for me in my practice is being able to realize that like, I am not my thoughts. I have thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and that I am not that small little version of me, the one that likes to worry and criticize and freak out that actually there's a different part of me that is kind of more all knowing and a little more stable and grounded and wise and that I can access that on a, on a daily basis in my practice, which means then when push comes to shove and I need to access that, I can do it more often in day-to-day life. I'm certainly not saying I've mastered that by any means, um, but it's easier now than it was seven years ago, you know? So
0: good. As we, uh, start to wrap things up here, I, I really want to ask you, like, I, I feel like you know, there's yoga is starting to be like, there's a movement, uh, and I'll call it probably a really small movement, I guess, but of, you know, like curvy yoga and just showing mm-hmm. diversity in yoga and, um, showing women of all shapes and sizes and, you know, and races just doing really cool yoga shit. Like, especially on Instagram, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, so do you do you you know do you feel like it's starting to shift and like what can you know what can people do to to you know further change the industry?
1: Yeah. For me it started with actually stopping the the Barbie stereotype from coming into my psyche. So I stopped. So if you're a yogi already or an aspiring yogi or even a yoga teacher, especially if you're a yoga teacher, stop reading and buying into that stereotype. Mm -hmm. Your dollar is your vote. Mm
0: -hmm. So if
1: you're going to buy, you know, yoga pants that are like overly expensive, that only fit people that are a size two, you're supporting that. If you're going to buy a magazine that does not have any diversity, you're supporting that. So choose where you put your attention and you know, if you're a teacher who maybe you are the stereotypical, thin, flexible yoga teacher, start taking some training in other styles of yoga and from other people that maybe do teach things like curvy yoga or, um, uh, you know, styles of yoga that um, there's several women out there and actually following Um, the yoga and body image coalition is a Mm -hmm. great place to start. If you can find them on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, it's a great website. Yeah. Because a lot of the teachers that are kind of passionate about this, um, that are working through this, you'll see them highlighted there and then you can start to follow them. Um, so stop buying the magazines, stop, you know, buying into that stereotype and letting that reinforce this stereotype. Um, and, and then start putting the opposite into your feed, you know? So like, Now on Instagram, it's like, I don't even, I'm not even going to follow people that are like in white and they're a size two doing yoga by a sunset. That is not real life, you know? So start seeking out some of these other yoga teachers that are, or even just yoginis that are representing other styles of yoga, other body types and some diversity. Um, And I think that that's really key. And if you're a yoga teacher, start sharing that, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just sharing the pictures on your Facebook page of, you know. The beautiful white dressed yogini on the beach, like, why don't we actually share some real yoga people, you know, that are just like doing pictures of their practice and all different shapes and sizes and um, you know, sexes and gender and all of it, you know. Um and I think that is where it starts. Um the Yoga and Body Image Coalition is doing amazing work, but of course, you know, we always can use more. So absolutely, um, it's just like if you're if you're trying to be more mindful of your health and your eating, you start watching what you're putting in your mouth. And it's the same thing when you're trying to become more mindful of diversity in yoga. Start watching what you're putting in your field. Like mm-hmm. stop, stop buying the stuff that you know is junk food, really, and start looking for, um, you know, other other people out there. There's there are. Um, There are a couple of yoginis that, um, that offer trainings for teachers. I think they're just like 30 hours or 50 hours, or they may be longer, um, for, to start adding diversity. Um, because I can understand how, if you are a thin, flexible yogini and somebody that's more curvy or plus size, or that has back pain or other injuries walks in, you may not know how to help them, but it's your job to know. Mm -hmm. So instead of just being like, "Woo." I don't know how to help that person. Like, educate yourself. I mean, learn. how many times have you taken a workshop to learn how to do another plank pose? Like, really, is that important? No. Learn how to modify that plank pose for real bodies. Yeah. Um, so there's my soapbox on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I mean, it's good. I like it. It goes across the board to whatever, whether you're talking about yoga or like whatever sport that mm-hmm. you're into. I mean, it's just, it's just we need more diversity, and that's not to like bash the the stereotypical look it's just it's like we just need diversity to get rid of a stereotype
1: really Certainly. like i mean i at, at one point in my life i was the stereotype Yeah, you know yeah. i mean i that's why i have an interesting perspective on this because i was thin and blonde mm-hmm. you know so i i totally i totally get that but um but that's not um that's not most people mm-hmm. and you know really to be able to teach and embrace all different styles of of yoga and and, yog- and yogis and yoginis that come into the room. I mean, of course, we're all gonna have our specialties and our our specific um, yogis that we really love to work with, but there's just, you know, with the resources now that are out there, there's no excuse to not be able to know how to modify things for people, in in my opinion. And if you don't know how, and maybe you're a new teacher or you just have never thought of it, I mean, there are resources out there. So hmm. take some extra trainings in, in um, other body types. You awesome. Know? So good.
0: Um, we could go on because I'd love to talk to you about other stuff. So I'll have to have you back. But That would be awesome. we have to wrap things up. Um, the last question that I ask all of my guests is, what is the most fearless thing that you have done?
1: Yeah, I knew this was coming.
0: <laughs> so you've planned for it. You've plotted out. You so see, you must have a great answer.
1: <laughs> I have kind of an answer and a non-answer. That's um, good. Non-answers are usually good. So it's twofold. Uh, The first thing is, I don't believe that there is such a thing as being fearless. (laughs) I believe there's like, holy fuck, I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, generally speaking, tend to be that personality type. I have since childhood, my mother ingrained it in me. Um, I'm, I'm blessed that way in that I was always allowed to be outspoken and to speak up for myself. And, you know, my mom always told my sister, I mean, my, you know, my mom was certainly not perfect. That's a whole other podcast there too. But <laughs> one of the things that she did tell us all the time is that we were beautiful and brilliant and we could do anything we wanted in this world. And so we believed it at least until a certain age when outside sources start telling you other things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I've always just felt like if I want to do that or I want to try that, I'll just try it. And, you know, um most recently though so I do tend to be a bit fearless. I do tend to be a bit of a leap and build your wings on the way down. That's so kind good. of personality, but most recently, um I left the city that I was born and raised in, a uh, full clientele of uh, as many yoga classes as I could physically teach, all run by myself that were all usually packed with a wait list uh to move to an island and go back to school full time <laughs> and start teaching part time so um, I left literally everything that was, and I'm doing air quotes again here, safe, secure, and familiar to, um, to live a life that I, I've, I've dreamed about for years. Um, so that's kind of been the yeah, awesome. most recent, uh, fearless thing I've done and probably the biggest one in over a decade for sure.
0: So um,
1: cool. yeah, so that's where I'm at now. Now I'm actually, as we speak, I'm only kind of teaching privately and kind of looking, at different studios and spaces in this moment to see where I I do want to teach and where I don't. (laughs) And, um, and I'm going to school full-time. So it's interesting switching from, you know, full-time entrepreneur to full-time student part-time entrepreneur. So we'll see how that works. I'm still kind of figuring that all out, but.
0: And you have a lot of great videos on your website. So tell everyone where they can find more of you
1: yeah, if you go to uh, my website, so it's Nick's, Nick is spelled N-Y-K, and Danu is my last name, D-A-N-U, and you opt in for my um, my blog, which you can do right under my photograph, there's a little spot to put your name and your email, um, then every couple of weeks or so you'll get a blog post from me. Many of them have videos where I break down a pose, um, and some of them are, are you know other yoga-related um, things as well. Um, and that's probably the best place for sure to keep up with, um, with, uh, videos and things like that. And usually a couple times a year, I also send out a, just kind of a, Hey, what do you guys want more of? What do you need more of? I'm currently starting to work on some more audio as well, because that's been something, um, that my students have asked for, especially since I've moved away, my student base in Calgary is like, we need your meditations. So Mm -hmm. I'm starting to work on, on doing some more audio and, um, things like that. So that's definitely, um, the best place to find me. You know, if you want to snoop around, read all about me, cyberstalk me, um, and then um, enter your name and email, and then you'll be able to get the, uh, the updates as they, as they come in on uh, things that I'm creating. So good. Well, I just think your
0: perspective is so refreshing and needed. Thank you. It's also very cool, which makes you cool and refreshing, just like Sprite <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, no, I just uh you're full of such good wisdom, and um, I definitely want you to pump out some audio stuff because I think I could
1: use <laughs> use some of your your meditation tools yeah I've <laughs> got some guided meditations that are on my to do list uh right yeah, away here, so right on, I'm gonna hold you to that okay um and uh yeah, thank you so much. It was just so great chatting with
0: you, and I will link to all the stuff we mentioned in uh the show notes, including the video um, you know, Killing Us Softly, uh, which has been on my list for a while. Oh and I'm do like it. Watch now it. my husband life changer. He's going out tonight, so I'm like, maybe I'll watch it tonight. Um as well as, you know, your website and everything else. That'll be at summernnncom forward slash frr dash four eight and that's it thank you so much thank you and rock on you too girl <laughs> if you like what you've heard please head to itunes to leave me a review it will take two seconds and i would be super grateful click on reviews and ratings and then click to rate easy peasy you can do it on your phone right now just while you're driving even just kidding And don't forget to head to summerinternet.com or thebodyimagecoach.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rockin' your bod plus the 10-day body confidence makeover plus your exclusive invite to my free online community all for free. Free, free, free. Cool. All right. Until next time, rock on.